You don't have any Stephen King. You've got the shoe. You mean shiny. Shh. You want to get sued? It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him, that's him, that's Cujo, that's Cujo. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our ongoing King obsessions. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter and every other level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content spread across all of obsessiveviewer.com's um, <laughs> various podcasts. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and I'm excited for tonight's episode, sincerely, mm-hmm. um, because joining me as usual is that cheap dime store hood, <laughs> Tiny. <laughs> How's it going, Tiny? Good. Nice. Uh, I've been really looking forward to saying that because um, of the sincerely and time. anyway. Uh, yeah. How 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 you doing this evening? I'm good, man. I'm good. Good, good, good. Yeah. We had a nice chat on Patreon um, about a variety of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be of interest to anyone to listen to it, but <laughs> um, but yeah, you can check that out. Patreon.com/slash obsessive viewer. Uh, how do you feel about our Patreon recording, Tiny? Always good, always good. Nice, nice. nice. Uh, yeah, so sentimental and funny. And yes, a little bit malignant. <laughs> nice. I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh. Oh my god, that's so great. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> now to, you have to explain that. Yes. Thank you. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a viral clip of a woman on like a TV show or um, uh, a, a reality show or something where she is asked to try a Jamaican accent, but she fumbles it so severely and it sounds like gibberish because she says like, Malignant. Um, and and I just recently saw the movie Malignant. And in my head, I keep saying it as Malignant. Um <laughs> And uh, it has made Tiny laugh very much throughout this evening. Um, and now this was his turn. <laughs> yeah. So that was really good. Um, but yeah, but I will I will talk a little, maybe a little bit more about that here in a few, but okay. just to run down what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. So today on the podcast, it is part three of our year-long four-part series on King's 1982 novella collection, Different Seasons. So our year-long project is to examine each novella and adaptation where applicable and free of horrifying horrifying criminal activity. <laughs> um, we're releasing each ep uh, on the first day or thereabouts of the story's subtitles respective season. Uh, too long, didn't listen, I'm insane. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> 
so to recap, in March, at the start of spring, we covered Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption uh, and Frank Darabont's an amazing 1994 adaptation, The Shawshank Redemption. That was in Tower Junkies episode 56. Then around the start of summer, a couple days late, we covered the novella uh, Apt Pupil and elected not to cover Brian Singer's adaptation for reasons outlined in that episode, which is Tower Junkies episode 63. <laughs> and so now on Tower Junkies episode 70, probably. Um, I just read, yeah, because it's coming out next week. Yes, yeah, so 70. On um, episode 70, uh, to kick off autumn and our own fall from innocence, we're discussing King's phenomenal ode to childhood, growing up, and that fleeting feeling of childhood friendship unmarred by the drama inherent to our own individual coming of age. It's the body. Um, and in addition, we'll be discussing Rob Reiner's seminal 1986 adaptation, Stand By Me. Um, all that is to come, but we have news and check-ins to attend to, Tiny. Yish. Yes. So, um, I'm going to get us kicked off with a couple of news items, and then we'll get into check-ins and everything. Um, two reasonable-sized uh, news things broke. Um, so <laughs> Stories? Uh, stories. There you go. Um, so, uh, so, the first piece of news that I have is... Uh, uh, funny enough, <laughs> it was a day after I recorded uh, the previous episode of the podcast with Kim C from the Year of Underrated Stephen King, mm -hmm. in which we talked about short fiction from Stephen King. <laughs> like a day or two after that, Stephen King released a new short story. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he released uh, Red Screen, um, which is an interesting. Um, it's an interesting thing for him to do because it was. Released through Humble Bundle, uh, which is at humblebundle.com. And that website is apparently a um it's it's a it's a vessel for charity uh fundraising. And what they do is they they um publish things and they have things up for sale that all the proceeds go to charity. So Stephen King published an ebook of his short story Red Screen, which is unavailable anywhere else, on Humble Bundle. And it's a pay what you want because all of it goes to the ACLU. Mm. And so he um, he has this posted. It was originally so so this happened uh, at this at the time of this recording, like a week and a half ago, I think. Uh, yeah, thereabouts. And like it was said, like oh, this is only going to be on sale for one week, and and like that's all well and good. So that one week ended uh, as of this recording a couple days ago. Or I think last night. And it's weird because looking on the website on Humble Bundle, um, it seems like it's still going. Hmm. Um, so basically, right now as we're recording this on actually Okay. Hmm. Maybe I'm I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm misreading it, but basically it has like a countdown. So it says offer ends in six days, sixteen hours, six minutes, and we're recording this September sixteenth. But basically you can uh, go on to this website, pay them a minimum of $5 or however much you want above that. Hmm. And uh, everything that the, ever, all the money spent goes directly to the ACLU. 
And uh, it's just really interesting. Um, I'll just read from from the site. Uh, Red Hot Off the Press, a Stephen King exclusive short story, Red Screen. We've teamed with legendary author Stephen King for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, presenting Red Screen, a never-before-published work exclusively available through Humble Bundle. (laughs) In this unsettling short story, a cop interrogates a deranged plumber who just murdered his wife, only to discover something far more insidious. Pay what you want and support the ACLU. And as of this recording, on September 16th at 9.52 p.m., uh, 17,484 purchases have been made Damn. of this. Um, and what's really neat is that it's an ebook, and it's, it's, it's like a five-page short story. It's a very short, brief short story. Mm-hmm. But it is DRM free, so like it, like you buy it, you own it. It doesn't like it's compatible with anything you want to read it on. Um, you get a download of it as an EPUB file, a .mobi file, and a PDF file. So there's versatility there. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. So, so like I said, seventeen thousand four hundred eighty-four copies have been sold, and so far. Um, Assuming that it's still for sale, which is so weird because it was supposed to be one week only. But anyway, it says this bundle has raised $137,432.21 for charity. Dang. Which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a good cause, ACLU. Oh, totally. And uh, funny, well, not funny, but um, <laughs> related to that, I actually, just because it's for charity and everything, um, I bought, I obviously bought a copy and I read it and everything. And I went ahead and re- uh, recorded a review of it on Patreon. But here's the rub. Um, <laughs> I made that Patreon recording free. So like hmm. if you go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, you don't have to become a patron. You can check that out. You can download that, listen to it and everything. Um, yeah. So if you bought red screen and want to hear my thoughts on it, go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and grab that episode. Cool. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Red Screen here in a second. We will. Yes, but I do have one other piece of news that I don't know if I shared this with you, Tiny, but um, you're, you, okay, you are aware that there's a new Salem's Lot movie being made. Yes. Yes, so that movie, um, I don't remember who all is, well, we've we've talked about it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember who's directing it, but... Um, it is scheduled for release, I think, September 9th, 2022. Mm-hmm. And I have already sent you just a ridiculous like roadmap for next year for how we're going to cover it. Right. Um, which may or may not happen. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but a tweet happened um, that the, the actor William Sadler... Um, yeah. who, uh, yeah, who is a, a very notable character actor. He appeared in The Mist. Um, a King veteran. A King veteran. Uh, The Mist, The Shawshank Redemption, and he's been in other stuff too, non-King related, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's a really great character actor. Yeah. He tweeted and said, like, he tweeted like, oh, first day filming on Salem's Lot. And it's like, oh, okay, so he's going to be in Salem's Lot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And like, everyone kind of went like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> um, cool. William Sadler's returning to King. That's awesome. Um, And like, I can't get this out of my mind, but... <laughs> If he's not playing Father Callahan, oh. I I don't I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know who. I mean, pres- he could potentially be Kurt Barlow. Yeah. Or Straker or Staker. Um, yeah. Right. But I mean, I mean William Sadler as Father Callahan though. Yeah. I mean, he's perfect for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. 
And then, and then somebody could adapt the Dark Tower. Yes. Again. Yes. And he could be in that too. Yes. Oh. Yeah. God, that would be so great. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, it hasn't been like confirmed like who, what role he's playing, but it's just really exciting to see, you know, him back um, mm-hmm. in the Stephen Kingiverse. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's it that I have for news. Um, except for <laughs> that's it that I have for news recently. Uh, it, the novel, um, within the last day or so, celebrated its 35th uh, anniversary from publication. Wow. So, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know why, but for some reason, I just thought, like, can you imagine if we read that in 1986? <laughs> um, like, that would be pretty impossible. <laughs> be impossible for me. I wasn't alive yet. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And me, I was, I was but a wee lad. A wee chap. A wee... Baby, I was a newborn, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, so anyway, um, all right, that's it for King News. Um, do you want to go into Stephen King check ins? Yes, I do. All right, and I have <laughs> I have three check ins, tiny. <laughs> well, fucking course, you do. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, um, heavy is the head that wears the crown. <laughs> um, no, I actually have one, like, nice. I finally actually have one. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll I'll do mine, okay. and then and then we can we can just have yours. You you can do you can throw in your little your, cute little your thing. Cute little thing. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really quick check-ins. Uh, first, still listening to Under the Dome. Really mm. great. Just freaking love that. Sweet. Um, and I also finished rereading Night Shift. For a secret Patreon project that's launching January 2nd. That super I think, secret. Yes, super secret. Although I think I've already announced what it is somewhere, everywhere. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, for $2 patrons, you're in for a weekly surprise next year. <laughs> hopefully. Um, <laughs> and uh, I also wanted to share this. I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast, but I recently got my hands on a first edition hardcover of It. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Um... So I went to Half Price Books just on a whim, and uh, and yeah, I saw I saw it, and like I own like three copies of it, um, sure. and I was just like, oh, you know what? That I I don't have this hardcover, and then I was like, you know what? I wonder, I wonder, and I don't really get like hung up on first editions or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I was just kind of curious. And what's really neat is like on StephenKing.com, there's like a PDF that you can have where it's like identifying first editions. Oh, okay. And so like it's like a it's like a spreadsheet or something, not a spreadsheet, but it's like a, a document that has like all of the identifying markers of first editions. So I got my hands on an it first edition. Cool. For like 20 bucks. So nice. that is mine. And it's in good condition too. I did not bring it out from the bookcase. <laughs> um, and I don't want to edit this down even more. So um, if you want to see it, Tiny, you are SOL. Okay. Um, yeah. So those are my quick check-ins. Also, uh, just want to mention once again, uh, check out the last episode of the podcast and my guest appearance on The Year of Underrated Stephen King. Um, super fun times uh, chatting with Kim C about all things Stephen King. And Tiny, when you listened, well, you haven't listened to, to Tower Junkies episode yet. No, not yet. But you did listen to my appearance on the year of underrated Stephen King. Yes. Did you feel like I was cheating on you in terms of podcasting? Yeah, I mean, it was difficult at first. Good, good. But, Jesus. <laughs> I mean... <Good. laughs> I'm glad you were in despair. Yes. <laughs> um, no, it was great. I mean, good. she's awesome. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was really nice because I... 
when she posted that, uh, our our uh, friend and listener Andy, um, he he just like he messaged me on Facebook and he was just like, Oh, look, someone's, someone's interview just popped up on my, on my, uh, podcast app. I was like, yeah, I'm really excited for people to listen to that episode. Sweet. Um, so yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, check that out. And, uh, yeah, tiny, what's your, what's your cute little, uh, your, your little, your little <laughs> tiny little, uh, um, check in there. Your little single, single yeah. solitary check in. Yeah. Uh, your little, little carry on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, what you got in the little handbag there? <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Are, are, are you done? Uh, what about that little coin purse there, Tiny? <laughs> God damn it. Okay, sorry. Um, so I actually read Red Screen. Nice. The little um, one-off publish- mm. publishing thing from Stephen nice. King. So, yeah, I read that. Mm. Um, it was it was a fun little story. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I almost... Um, I wonder if he had that idea floating around in his head for a while and he was like well i'll just knock this one out real quick for for charity because i feel like it was um it was a little rushed like i feel like i feel like that's something he could have dove deeper into oh totally expanded and had it be more of i don't know about like i don't know about like a novel but right um more of a uh a bigger longer story yeah yeah but uh, but yeah, I mean it was it was fun. I kind of I mean it wasn't difficult to see where it was going, right? Um, but that's fine. I mean I was I was curious how it was going to get there. Yeah, so, yeah. Same here. Yeah, I I liked it. I talked about it on on Patreon, so check that out, guys. Yeah, because it's free. You guys can check out that uh, free thing. Well, it's for free. Patreon. Yeah. Did you listen to that? I I know I have not. Okay, that's cool. yeah. I haven't had a chance. Yeah, I ramble for a while on that. Um, well, but you know, that's how it is. Yeah. Speaking of Patreon, though, by the way, mm-hmm. that is up there for free. But also at the two dollar level, I am doing episode reviews of Chapel Weight. Um, on Epics, which is based on Jerusalem's Lot, the short story from Night Shift that is the prequel to Salem's Lot. Um, so I want to make sure that I say that here. So if you guys want to check out Patreon, go to Patreon, pledge $2 per month, you get access to those episodes. I'm kind of doing it at a slower pace. So like there's there there are five episodes that are released, like available on Epics. But I've I've reviewed three of them, and then I'm gonna hopefully get the other two and get up to date here soon. But the reason why I say that is because um, I I am I am pretty sure that no one on Patreon is watching Chapel Weight. <laughs> so I just want to say, if you guys are watching Chapel Weight and you're interested in hearing me talk about it. Go ahead and pledge two dollars per month. You can just you, you can do like what uh what what a couple of people have done and just pledge two dollars, listen to the episodes, and then delete the like like cancel it and mm-hmm. you won't be charged the next month. It's yeah. no no big deal. Um but I'm just like I'm just sitting there thinking like this is literally me recording into the void. <laughs> <laughs> so uh if you're a patron, uh check out Chapel Wait and then listen to me talk about it. Yeah. Um or if you're not a patron and you're watching Chapel Wait, uh join Patreon. Um, yeah, which also final thing, and then we can move on. But, uh, I did, uh, set up a tag on Patreon, um, where you can click, click Stephen King and it'll give you just, it'll filter all of our freaking hundred, hundreds of Patreon crap, Mm -hmm. uh, and just have all of the Stephen King stuff. So Mm. that includes the $5 commentary tracks I've done for In the Tall Grass, It Chapter 2, uh, The Shining, Dr. Sleep, all that stuff. And then also episode reviews of Lisey's Story and Chapel Wait and everything. And then book reviews of Billy Summers and uh, Red Screen and everything. So Wow. 
Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, check that out. Patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Okay. Um, so I have one other section to get through. <laughs> okay. Before we get into our reviews, man, I hope that this isn't dragging it out too much. But as we have been doing kind of infrequently recently, um, I have a Stephen King podcast or a podcast content corner segment that I'm really excited about because this is very unique and interesting. So there is a new YouTube series that's launching soon uh, in October uh, called The Stephen Kingdom, hosted by David McCracken. And uh, according to the uh, his Twitter account and everything, it uh, will be a deep dive into the literary and cultural significance of the works of one Stephen Edwin King coming to YouTube this Halloween. I'll put a link in the show notes, of course. Um, but the interesting aspect of this is that uh, I've talked to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I've interviewed him on Obsessive Viewer. <laughs> Um, he had a, uh, he, uh, I forget what roles he did. He was an actor and writer, director and producer on a film that was at Heartland Film Festival in 2018 called Bullet County. Hmm. And, uh, he's from Evansville and like he was at the red carpet and everything. He and his, his producing partner, um, that like, I talked to them for like 10 minutes about their movie cause I, I enjoyed their movie quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this interesting like period drama about these kind of, kind of Stephen King and King in a way. Um, it's about a group of friends who kind of, I think they reunite and then they, uh, they go, it's like set in the seventies, I think. And they go, uh, they go on a, a Kentucky bourbon trail or something, mm-hmm. um, because they heard that there is a uh, buried, bootlegger treasure and so drama ensues and everything and it leads to some pretty interesting and dark places um it is available to stream i think on imdb tv which is free and you can get get it through amazon prime Hmm. but it's called bullet county and uh david mccracken is now doing a youtube uh uh series on stephen king so super excited uh to check that out when it launches next month cool um yeah and by the way, if you want to hear my interview with him and uh, his his producing partner with um, uh, Bullet County, you can listen to Obsessive Viewer episode 253. So, yeah. Cool. <sighs> okay. So, are you ready, Tiny? Yes. Okay, you're not going to delay this any longer with your nonsense? <laughs> well, I have another check-in. Oh, do uh, you? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, Get an extra nickel in that little coin purse there, Tiny. God damn it. I don't that's mean. That's like it is. And I know I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm hurt. Um, yeah. No, I'm hurt. <laughs> okay. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm probably gonna keep that in. So just for reference, I do I play music when I have an edit that I want to make. So that's the running joke here. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so today on the podcast, finally, we're going to be talking about The Body, the novella, uh, the third novella in Different Seasons, which was published in 1982. And uh, and yeah, so, uh, and then we're also going to do a review of Stand By Me. So The Body, per StephenKing.com, or you know what, I'll just read it from um, the, from Wikipedia. So, um, 
Okay. The story takes place during the summer of 1960 in the fictional town of Castle Rock, Maine, after a boy from Chamberlain, Maine, named Ray Brower, disappears and is presumed dead. 12-year-old Gordy Lachance and his three friends, Chris Chambers, Teddy Duchamp, and Vern Tessio, set out on a quest to find his body along the railroad tracks. After telling their parents, they will be camping out because they consider it to be a rite of passage. Um, so... This is... Oh, I didn't look that up. Dang. Okay. Um, so anyway... <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so this was published, of course, in 1982. Um, I'm suddenly realizing that I did not finish my notes on here, so I'm kind of free freewheeling in here. Okay. So <laughs> uh, first up, before we get into our conversation about the body, I think that... I think what we'll do is... We'll do a non-spoiler and spoiler review for the novella, and then when we go to talk about Stand By Me, we'll just do spoilers, because it would be kind of silly to do a non-spoiler and spoiler review for a movie after we've just spoiled the actual story. Sure, okay. (laughs) So, we're going to do a non-spoiler review for The Body, and then a spoiler review, and uh, before we do that, Tiny... What is your history with The Body and Stand By Me? Because last I checked... Uh, you didn't really have much history with it. Oh, yeah. I had yeah. no history with it. Um, I had read, of the different seasons, the novellas, mm-hmm. I had read Apt Pupil before, mm-hmm. but I, I remember I had, it was like an individual novella. Right. It wasn't a collect, it wasn't the collection. Um, so that's how, I think that's how I guess I kind of avoided the other stories in that collection. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, just, I never got around to uh, reading the body. I, I mean, I basically knew the story, right? Um, and you know, the um, the movie is so popular. I feel I, I think the culturally, I think the movie has more of a lasting impact, mm-hmm. um, sort of like Shawshank Redemption, right? Um, and uh, and that's fine because uh, the movie's great. But um, I hadn't watched the movie either, and. Um, I, I don't know for whatever reason I had just never never chosen to read it to read it I wow. I don't know why I I had no I had no nothing against it but mm-hmm. um because it's so popular I feel like I had already read it because I yeah. just I I knew what happened and um but I um I'm kind of I'm glad that I think I think the part that was most surprising to me that I liked the most or whatever is the fact that the the relationship between the boys mm-hmm. um and the especially between um. Uh, Gordy and Chris, yeah, um, oh, yeah, was just incredibly touching, and that's something that I didn't, I wasn't quite aware that it was interesting. That was such a focal point of both the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. I, I mean, I knew obviously I knew there's going to be some camaraderie and some um, some things to connect to um, as you know, someone who grew up with mm-hmm. a pack of friends and stuff like that, right? Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of a fun little surprise um some nice. nice depth to the book that i didn't know was there so yeah um i i didn't i don't really have any kind of history with it wow. um this is uh, i popped my cherry this one. <laughs> nice my body cherry it's that, uh, that doesn't sound right at all no. <laughs> 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 Shit. Uh, that's gonna be a new thing it is it is i'm gonna i'm gonna and i'm all for it yeah <laughs> i'm funny. gonna be I'm going to be as brief, like, like I'm not going to do it as frequently, because <laughs> if I did, it would just turn into be just something super malignant. <laughs> um, okay. Jesus. Um, so, to get back on track, I, what I find really interesting about that, what you just said, your history with it and everything, is that 
especially with the movie, I, I'm still really surprised that you had never seen the movie just because like, I remember like when, like when we were teenagers and, uh, in, in like our, our early twenties, like you were very much like you, you, uh, didn't have a life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like you would watch, you would just watch movies just as, um, I forget, I don't know what word I'm trying to use, but it's like, like you didn't have any, any, um, I don't know if I'd say prejudgments, but you weren't picky at all. You would yeah. just grab movies and watch them and everything. Yep. Um, and I'm 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 just surprised that Stand by Me wasn't like one of those movies because it obviously has the pre- pedigree and the history and the mm-hmm. um you know it's quite famous. Um, I avoided it because so, yeah. I wanted to read the book first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm one. Of, I'm one of those. Yeah. I. Yeah. You know. I'm. I'm kind of the same way. Not with everything, but. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Um, my history, mm-hmm. I say this like, oh yeah, the body is a cornerstone of my reading or whatever. <laughs> I read the body for the first time, I think in late 2020 when I had COVID. Oh wow. Um, because that is when, I think that that's when I picked up different seasons and just read it. Um, or that might've been before I got COVID, but I remember that I, like I read different seasons. Hmm. Um, and, but with the movie with stand by me, I mean, I've seen it over the years. I I think I first saw it when I was a teenager and then it's been one of those movies that I will revisit maybe like once every three or four years. Mm -hmm. And I've got to say, spoiler for the movie review, but (laughs) watching it this time, I'm like, why is this not on a constant rotation with me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, why, why is that? Why have I only watched this X number of times over the last 15 years when I should have been watching it like 17 times over the last 15 years? Yeah. Um, so yeah, but we'll get all into that for now though. Let's go into non-spoilers for the body, the novella and tiny kind of an overall words, uh, broad terms. How did you feel about the novella of the body? I really, really loved it. Um, I, I think it's funny that we're covering, (laughs) we're covering it for the fall segment Mm -hmm. because it is so inherently a summer story. I, yeah, it, especially like kind of an Indian summer wrapping up a summer mm-hmm. kind of thing because it's they talk characters are constantly talking about how hot it is and yeah. stuff like that and um it's you know it's about the the conclusion of all of the fun that you have with your friends over the mm-hmm. summer without the burden of school you know yeah. um, which is totally something I can relate to I mean I remember it's funny like you know now in our mid thirties thinking about like the time of like late May to late, uh, late July, or early August, mm-hmm. you know, it's two and a half, three months. Yeah. Like now it's two and a half, three months isn't, isn't a very long stretch of time, but like, right. I remember being a kid, like in elementary school and like mm-hmm. getting out of school. It's like, that it felt like you had a year off. Yeah. Like it just I'm felt never like coming back. Right. It's like, yeah. I got so much time to do whatever I want yep. and I don't have to get up early for school. I don't have to do oh, any of this God, crap. Yes. That feeling was just the best. I don't, I don't know that as an adult, I'm not sure that it's possible. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I don't think it's possible to have that kind of emotion as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have responsibilities. Right. I mean, you oh, yeah. do. Like, I, Even if, like, you're fortunate enough to have, like, a month's worth of PTO you can take. Right, right. Like, there's still, like, oh, you yeah. got to get up and walk the dog. You got to... Right. Um, 
Maybe, uh, maybe yeah. when you retire. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But even then, a lot of people continue working when they retire. Oh, right. oh not me. No. <laughs> <laughs> or they don't have financial freedom or something. Oh, probably me. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, please. <laughs> but that's that feeling is so potent mm-hmm. and so unique but it's also pretty universal I oh mean, yeah especially for americans mm-hmm. um but yeah that's that that sentiment just poured off the book just poured yeah. off the pages and i absolutely loved that and, you know king is so he captured that sentiment so well oh absolutely absolutely love that yeah um and and not to get off on too much of a tangent right off the bat, but what I find what I found really interesting. Do you do you mind if I go into go my for profile? it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So first, I'll just say this blanket statement. I honestly think that the body and Stand by Me, for that matter, are just about the perfect coming of age story that I've like I've that I've interacted with yeah. as as an art. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I mean it is just so perfect the the way that the characters rely on each other for like for i mean they're they're very friendly with they're very good at like ribbing each other and everything as Mm -hmm. kids are but like that dependence that bond that they have is so palpable throughout the entire story and especially in the later parts of it which we'll talk about in spoilers where it's kind of this running thing where their parents and the adults of Castle Rock, they don't, they don't have any solid foundation with the kids. Mm-hmm. So the, the kind of onus of personal, personal relationships and, and interpersonal relationships and guidance and, and just, you know, uh, growth and coming of age relies rests solely on the bond that is formed between these kids mm-hmm. among these kids and it's just i like i said it's just so palpable and just so beautifully told yeah um and man it's just it is it is it is just so good yeah um i love it so much one other um thing about it that's interesting is that um the it's it's a realistic aspect of it that's realistic but it's also kind of heartbreaking is um mm-hmm. how king mentions that their relationships are their relationship with each other is so important and so you know pure and based mm-hmm. on based on such uh, childlike wonderment you know yeah. the, the friends you have when you're 12 and stuff like that um it's also so like i don't know if fleeting is the right word but it's it almost never lasts like most i, I mean is there anyone yeah from your that you were friends with and you were between the ages of like nine and 12 who <sighs> you're still really good friends with no you are my oldest friend yeah i think yeah you're, yeah you're probably your mom yeah. too yeah so we met in seventh grade yeah yes yeah yes so i think yeah the middle school is a mm. big you know that broadens people's horizons so much that oh, i yeah. feel like you know they talk about it in the book you know mm-hmm. getting ready to go to junior high is gonna be different and yep um and that's he nails that perfectly oh well, yeah you know and i i still have so many good memories of like friends that i had before seventh grade mm-hmm. but um i don't i don't even i mean i'm not even friends with a lot of those people on facebook anymore oh, like yeah. that's how how different things are now um, yeah oh man which is kind of a modern barometer i guess right are, are you facebook friends with them and like 
Uh, several of them? No, I'm not even Facebook friends with them. Man, okay. I couldn't tell you where they live, if they're married. Yeah. And that's crazy to think about. Man, you know what's crazy is like right now I'm just like, my mind is blowing a little bit, (laughs) is that in fifth grade, um, we did not go to the same elementary school. No, so we didn't. I don't think you know this about me, and I don't know if I want to say it. <laughs> but like, uh, <laughs> this is super cringy. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Oh boy, eight and a half years of podcasting. This has never come up. <laughs> In fifth grade, uh, Mister, I don't remember his name. Was Goodwin? No clue. Okay, that was a, we that went was to different a, schools. So yeah, but Goodwin wasn't a junior high or high school teacher. Then no, I don't. Remember. Okay, Mr. Goodwin. Okay, his class, um, <laughs> fifth grade. Like for some, I don't know how it came up, but me and these two other students, um, were grouped together or something. And I think Mr. Goodwin said said something like, "Oh, they're like the Three Stooges or something." <laughs> and we ran with that. Oh boy! <laughs> for the entire school year oh boy we were the three stooges tiny (laughs) wow and i will say (laughs) we were our only friends (laughs) (laughs) really like in the halls going like or something like that like i think so i think so and the point that i'm getting at (laughs) is I like I lost touch with them really like mm-hmm. I stopped like we we just grew apart kind of I right. mean we just grew into different social circles and stuff in right. junior high and high school. Yeah. Um one of them is like went to high school with us and went to middle school with us and uh I'm Facebook friends with him don't I have really I ran into him at the store once and then like it was an awkward like we didn't even really see each other or mm-hmm. acknowledge each other or anything. Um, but the other one, like, th- this is the whole point that I'm making is that the, the third, the, um, the, <laughs> the shemp of our group, um, <laughs> I, he moved after fifth grade. Okay. And I can't remember his name. Wow. I can't remember really what he looked like. And I can't, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So yeah. Anyway, um, I don't wow. know. That was a tangent. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Is it, yeah, you just had an influx of memories that uh, you had to think about, or it's something that I think about way more than I should <laughs> because it is so cringy. But yeah, right. I felt like it was apt to uh, bring up here on this podcast. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Um, Stephen, if you're listening, uh, it was it was fun. It was cool. I don't nice. need to Stephen the. I know, the you, I know you're. Yeah. I know you're talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah. gotcha. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, but yeah, a very like uh, a near perfect coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Um, the dynamic between the characters is so great, and something that I really, really love, and it's something that is done in the movie as well, is that King puts in this vulnerability to all of the characters and so much so that they become emotional. Like it, Mm -hmm. when you think of, and and there's some of that here, but when you think of, you know, kids, prepubescent kids Mm -hmm. and just in general, like not even, not even taking into account the time frame, but just in general, like young boys, like it is so ingrained in, you know, our culture and everything that 
boys become men and mm-hmm. you know you can't have emotion you can't you've you've got to play sports you've got right. to you've got to um pretend to be one of the three stooges don't and, be don't be pussy it, right, yeah like yes. in the book yeah. yeah like in the book yeah um it's and that, that does come up and everything right. but the 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 story just lets them be vulnerable with each other and that is just such a powerful yeah. thing to communicate with. They, all, they all end up opening up at some point yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah and i mean the the scenes in the movie is just yeah. oh we'll talk about that we will i'm looking forward yeah. to that yeah so in since you were pretty unfamiliar like obviously you know it from pop culture and everything were there elements of it that you weren't expecting like anything like I'm kind of leading you toward this, but uh, the leeches scene, did you know about that at all? I did, yeah. Okay. I knew about that. I think a lot of the big stuff I did, but again, the okay. the, the one that really surprised me, um, I don't think this is a spoiler, mm-hmm. just how, like, kind of how damaged almost each kid is. Oh, yeah. Of the four boys. Yep. They have their thing that's a big chip on their shoulder. Right. Um, and and I that thing influences each character so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize there was that much depth to these characters, to these characters right. uh, before I read the book or saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was pleasantly surprised by it. Cause I think it just adds so many more layers to the onion. That is the story. Yeah. Um, and is remarkably satisfying mm-hmm. um, the, the, the direction that it causes the characters to go. Um, that was, that was a part that I was surprised, surprised by mm-hmm. and didn't, didn't know about, but, but a lot of the, like the big meaty parts of the story, um, them crossing the bridge with the train and, yeah. the, um, you know, um, uh, I think even like the, the junkyard dog, like, mm-hmm. like, uh, what was the dog's name? Chopper. Chopper, sick yeah. balls. Like <laughs> yeah. I knew that line and, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, the leeches scene, mm-hmm. All that stuff. I think I, I pretty much had a reference that all that was were significant part significant parts of the story. Nice. Um, but yeah, of course, the the best part is the characters, you know, and that's that's the part that I was uh, there was a blind spot for me. Or I didn't I okay. didn't have a lot of familiarity with. Nice, yeah. very nice. Um, uh, I'm gonna circle back to something that I was going to make a point of, and then I got sidetracked. But um. Something that uh, I kind of recognized in this reading of it and this viewing of the movie is that <laughs> to go back to talking about like my childhood and everything, I I don't know if it's because I was so enamored with Stephen King at the time when I was a kid or the idea of small town America. But like, I remember like trying to force in this idea that, oh, Speedway is a small town Mm -hmm. because we lived in Speedway, Indiana, right? may or may not still live there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But in Speedway, for all intents and purposes, is a pretty small town. It's got Mm -hmm. a big ass racetrack that thousands of people come to every year. Right. Um, But also it's more, it, what I wanted or what I, what I, what I wanted to force onto the town of Speedway <laughs> was like the Stephen King small town thing. Right. Right. And like, that's not what Speedway is. Like, yeah, we are 10 minutes away from downtown Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's more a suburb than anything, yeah. I guess. So, but what I really found just so remarkable about the story is the way that it, paints that small town of castle Mm -hmm. rock 
and the way that it paints it through the perspective and the purview or whatever of children that live in that town. Mm -hmm. Like Chris Chambers, it is, I mean, he has a reputation because of his family name and he lives in Castle Rock, which is very insulated, very small. So his, his, his future is almost pre predetermined. Um, unless he does like an uphill climb, a ridiculous uphill climb mm-hmm. to, you know, get out of Castle Rock. And I mean, the same with the other, with the other kids. Like there's, there's so many talks, there's so many scenes where Gordy is talking about how, uh, Vern and, and Teddy are like, they're like, they're probably not going to be friends after friends with, with Gordy after, yeah. when they get to junior high and high school, cause they'll run with a different crowd. Mm-hmm. And it's just that, that kind of, that kind of dynamic where it's friends when you don't have the social anxiety of <laughs> school, like with like big, like the, the melodramatic school of middle school and high school, right? Like that friendship that forms just because you're all kids who don't know enough about the world <laughs> or don't know anything. You all know the same amount of stuff. You don't have prejudices. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's just, it's yeah. really remarkable how well King wrote that into the into it's the story. It's pretty amazing, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Yeah, so part part of when, this is a little tangent, but while I was listening to this... You were a Three Stooges? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I listened to these books almost exclusively in my car during work, because I drive a lot for my job, mm-hmm. which uh, listeners know. Right. Know that. So I was working in... Um, a rural part of our state mm-hmm. uh, in south southwest indiana uh green green county okay um which i think is probably very similar to castle county okay uh, fictional castle county maine right. um where you have smallish towns and that's it for the county there's you know mm-hmm. the county seat which would be like castle rock uh is linton l i n t o n linton indiana okay um the whole county probably has i'd say 30,000 people in it Maybe forty thousand. Wow! So it's a small rural county, but there's these handful. There's Linton is the main town, and then there's you know a couple of handful of other towns around that are within ten, twelve miles of it. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is like Castle Rock, and the I don't remember the name. I don't even remember the names of the other towns that they're going through uh, in the story. But mm-hmm. you know, they're taking the railroad tracks because that connects these small towns together. Yeah, and the river connects mm-hmm. these small towns together and i was just driving through that county on like a you know a one-lane highway while i was listening to this story and i was like yeah this is probably pretty similar structurally Man. to what castle fictional fictional castle county is like where these boys were walk, walk, walking through the woods for a couple days to go find a dead body like that's it was an interesting um um the word serendipitous has been coming to my mind lately. Okay. It was a little bit serendipitous that mm-hmm. I was listening to that 
story while I was working at that location. That's so cool. Yeah, like just kinda, the ambiance of that. The ambiance. It was very ambiance. Yeah. 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 I love that. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Malaying it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, I, I love that. Like I've mentioned many times how much I love to, like if I'm driving a long distance or anything, like if I have to stop to go to the bathroom or something or pick up snacks, uh, mm-hmm. I will stop off in some just hole in the wall, like small town. Yeah. Um, and it'll just be like, this is a Stephen King story. I'm wandering right. into a Stephen King story right yeah. now. Yep. And it's just, I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that's not derogatory, but I don't know if that's like, that's like elitist or classist of the <laughs> town that I'm wandering through. Um, because I'm just like, oh, look at, look at the, look at the cute little, like, I bet, I bet Tiny has a little check-in in here. Um, <laughs> nice. but it's just that, that atmosphere, that, that, uh, ambiance. Like when a few years ago, when I interviewed the five after five, uh, productions, uh, people that like Cameron Grimm, who was doing a, uh, a dollar baby, uh, mm-hmm. for the man who loved flowers, um, and I got to go to like the where they were filming and everything, and I got to watch them film scenes and everything from it. But they were in Greenfield or Greensburg. Greenfield was it Greenfield? Yeah. Okay. And like that, I mean, holy crap! I mean that that is the a quintessential small town, yeah, indie like small town Midwestern town. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this is such a Stephen King, yeah, <laughs> um, place. Totally. Um, so yeah, my, one of my wife's best friends, she lived and worked in Washington D.C. for several years, right? And worked for like senators, mm-hmm. and uh, she talked about like cultural differences between the people that she worked with, who were, you know, some of them were born and raised in Washington D.C. or mm-hmm. like giant cities like Chicago. Well, my wife and her friend, they're from rural Indiana, mm-hmm. Portland, Indiana. And they like would ask her like, so what? What was it like growing up? Like, what what did you do on like a Saturday? And she was like, well, you know, we'd like like ride our bikes around and we'd like go down to the gas station and get a Polar Pop. And they were like, what are you even saying? I don't even know what those words mean. And <laughs> mm-hmm. and like she was just talking about the culture shock for them and wow. her of you know the two two vastly different upbringings coming, right. coming together. So wow. Yeah. I don't, no that, wonder I, the country's all messed up. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah. You used to go to the soda shop and get a... <laughs> go get down a to the soda fountain. Scoop. Yeah. <laughs> get a double scoop of the double chocolate ice cream on, on top of an ice cream soda and, yeah, you know. Um, but there was actually, and this is a quick tangent, uh, there was a documentary that was at Indie Film Fest um, called Welcome to Monterey. That was really good. It's a very mm-hmm. small, it's a, um, this woman who grew up in this town, Monterey, uh, they have like a Monterey like festival, like a, like a street festival. It's a very small town. And the documentary is just all about that town mm-hmm. and, and the festival and everything. And it's just really interesting as a kind of a, maybe not historical document, but a documentation of just this very small town that is barely on any maps basically so um yeah i don't know if that'll be streaming anywhere or anything because it's Mm. on the festival circuit and everything but welcome to monterey just check that out cool um okay so what else can we say non-spoilers um because i have a question before we go into spoilers but i wanted that to be before we go into spoilers yeah i think we can go into spoilers i think that's a good idea okay yeah so we're going to go into spoilers here in a second but i do have a question for you tiny in broad terms or kind of as an overview of it um this story was obviously published in 1982 
And then in 1986, Stephen King wrote It. <laughs> yeah. And something that Kim on the Year of Underrated Stephen King uh, mentioned was that it seems kind of like the four characters in, in the body are kind of like a prototype or or like the proto-losers club. Like kind of like the, <laughs> the rough draft of what would be the losers club. <laughs> it's kind of how I'm kind of thinking of it. Yeah. So my question is, in kind of broad terms, and this is very much weighted way too much on, on one of them because, I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of pages, but mm-hmm. what do you think is the better coming-of-age story, the body or it? Mm. Bear in mind, only one of them has a controversial sewer child <laughs> sex scene. Right. I... <laughs> You're right. It has an unfair advantage because it's so much longer. It's a 1100 page book or something. Right. Um, but I think one important aspect that differentiates between the two is that the Losers Club had a girl in it. Oh yeah. There's a female perspective there, mm-hmm. which again, there's the controversial scene um, in in it. Yeah. But I also think it has a. Despite the controversy and my dislike of that mm-hmm. moment in the book, um, there is a sexual as- aspect and a romantic aspect mm-hmm. to that coming of age tale that I think is um, missing in I see. Uh, in the body for obvious reasons. There's mm-hmm. no girls. There's like right. hardly any even female characters in the book yeah. or in the in the story, um, which is fine. I'm not. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not a fault of it. It's just a different aspect, and it's. It's more explored and it's more uh, diverse yeah. in it, um, but I, I think I relate more to this. Although there's a lot of the same themes, you know, they spend yeah. that also takes place over the summer, mm-hmm. um, and it's them riding their bikes around and playing mm-hmm. and being out in the nature and it's hot yeah. and stuff like that. So it's both stories have like they they have very. Uh, either absent or adversarial uh, relationships with adults in the stories. Right. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think, I I mean, I I think it definitely takes the cake, but um, it it doesn't mean that the body is any less significant or Mm -hmm. uh, great really. Um, Because I absolutely adored this story and the coming of age nature of it was fantastic. So, nice. um, but yeah, I'd, I I'd give this, I'd give the edge to, uh, to it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's got so many other things working in its favor it, that it's kind, yeah. of, it's kind of the obvious choice for all of its, for all of its similarities in terms of mm-hmm. content and everything. It is right. kind of apples and oranges. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. it's, <laughs> it's kind of switchblades and demonic clowns. <laughs> um, so Yeah. Uh, and then one other thing, and then, and then I'll, I'll actually backtrack and say something in non-spoilers, but, um, uh, where would you rather grow up in, Derry or Castle Rock? (laughs) Jeez. Um, I guess Castle Rock. I have such, I have such a little reference for Castle Rock though. Hmm. Yeah. Because it, it, the town... In this story, the town doesn't have much of an identity. That's true. Yeah. And then in um, needful things, needful things. Yeah. I guess it's you know, there's obviously the town has an identity, and there's it's explored somewhat, but it's not not as extensive as 
Chester's Mill Dairy. Yeah, right. Or um Totally. Yeah. Any um, other places. <laughs> Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot, yes. There you go. Um Yeah. Yeah. Even Chamberlain and Carrie. Right. Um So I yeah. f- I feel like Castle Rock as like the town as a character mm-hmm. is so kind of underdeveloped yeah it's it's referenced a lot in a lot of other stories Mm -hmm. but it's i guess that the meaty stories where the stories actually take place in castle rock it's just not there's not much culture of the town is explored i guess that's Um, true there's the whole uh, different season or not um evil things had the whole Mm -hmm. religious thing catholics and protestant stuff like there's some of that i guess Mm -hmm. um but but even that felt kind of like set dressing Right, and it, um, it didn't. It didn't have like you know, uh, Castle Rock. I guess I don't know. I guess in this story, it's presented as more in the body. It's presented as more of like a blue collar town. Yeah. Um, and the 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 kind of the co- quote unquote college kids are the mm. the exception as opposed to the rule. I guess. Right. Um, which is something that I that's not a um notion I really picked up in uh, Needful Things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I mean, mm. I guess. Are there any other big stories that really take place in Castle Rock proper? Mm, um, there are some short stories that do. Okay. Um, the Sun Dog. Okay. And some other ones. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah. I just feel I feel like Derry is so much more developed. I think so too. And it's it's yeah. a charming town despite mm-hmm. the fact that it's you know cursed. Yeah. And whatnot. And it's bigger. Too, it's bigger, right? Yeah, yeah, the barons and all that, right? Yeah, the standpipe, right? Um, right. Yeah, I would pick dairy. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, dairy sands the creature. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because yeah. whenever I am in the bathroom, most of the time, pizza will go into the bathroom and she'll jump into the into the tub, mm-hmm. and she'll just stare at the drain. Um, and then I'll have to like, I'll have to like, not pick her up, but I'll kind of like kind of like press her side and then she'll be like all right let's go uh or i'll say as i said to you when we took a break um <laughs> i'll say like all right come on kitty let's go and then as her i will say no but i don't want to let's go <laughs> um so cute anyway yeah um that's one word <laughs> um <laughs> the whole uh three stooges thing is coming into focus really well isn't it <laughs> um anyway but whenever like recently when when she's done that i like i've imagined her being like no i don't i don't want to get out of the tub it's telling me that they float down there and stuff oh <laughs> and god i want to see what's going on I why don't you do that to yourself yeah i don't know but <laughs> the final thing i want to say in non-spoilers and we don't need to go really in depth with this but there are two kind of breaks in the novella where we get a very large passage of Gordy's writing. Yes. And so the first one is this story, um, like this, like forties noirish kind of very aggressively misogynistic yeah. and, uh, just really, uh, I don't know, it story called stud city. And then we get the story of the, the blueberry pie eating contest. Mm-hmm. Of these two stories, how did, how did you feel about these two stories in the novella? So, the first one pissed me off. Because, <laughs> well, so not the story or the content, mm-hmm. the structure of how it was woven into the body. Mm-hmm. I thought 
like I thought that Audible was malfunctioning. Oh, really? Because he it just goes into the <clears throat> fucking story unprompted. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? And like <laughs> I was I was listening to like 15 minutes of it and mm-hmm. I ended up I ended up rewinding cuz I was oh, like wow. I thought my Audible was malfunctioning and going mm-hmm. into some other recording or I was like, what the hell wow. is this? I was kind of pissed. Mm-hmm. And so I re- I rewound it and started over. I was like, nope, this is supposed to be happening. All right, what the <laughs> fuck ever. So I listened to it and I thought it was an interesting story and it mm-hmm. was um it had me it had me interested. I was paying attention. I thought it was um disturbing and, mm-hmm. and had some pretty wild themes to it. But I, I liked the story. Mm-hmm. Um and it got to the end and I was like, okay, I, I, I liked that that was in the that this that, that was present in the body mm-hmm. and and I liked it and everything, but it needed to be woven in much better because it was yeah. totally jar I mean, I guess maybe that's a unique issue to audiobooks. Because mm-hmm. I think if I had been reading a physical copy of the book, it would have been le- been less jarring and would have the page breaks maybe and the paragraph mm-hmm. breaks would have made it more um fluid, maybe. But Still, I was like, okay, I'm fine with the content and all that stuff. It's just structurally, it didn't work for me, and I was kind of pissed. As um, someone who read the paperback the first time I read it, <laughs> that it's n- the format is not the issue. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, okay. Uh, but the blueberry uh, pie mm. eating contest, I was fucking laughing my ass oh, off. Oh, it's Lo- that is an amazing story. It's it's great, <laughs> so it's, fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's so silly, and the way that it's in the movie is really is yeah. really. Just I was laughing just amazing. as hard in the movie. I thought yeah. it was funny. Oh yeah, and, and, yeah. Um, with Stud City though, I man, it, I agree with you. I mean, it is out of nowhere. It is yeah. a de- detracting from it, uh-huh. and I. And, and this can kind of lead into spoilers here, but when I was listening to it, this is like the second or third time I've heard the story. I've read the story. The second or third time when that happens, I had like the same thought process as I did when the first time I read it, because I kept thinking like, okay, this is weird. This is out of nowhere. I don't understand. Like, okay, fine. It's King, you know, flexing. I guess he's writing the story. Um, as the kid writing the story. And then I, throughout the entire thing, I was like, okay, well, maybe I can rationalize this. Maybe I can try to make excuses for King. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and like, I kept thinking like, okay, okay. So this is, this is him demonstrating what a 12 year old writing a story about adults who have sexual relationships and everything Mm -hmm. and have dramatic lives and everything, what, what he thinks they are. And then after the story's over, Gordy, as the narrator, is like, "Yeah, I wrote this when I was in, when I was in college, when I when I'd only been with like a couple of women, so it's a little weird, and and I'm uninformed." I'm like, "That that doesn't even sound like like it doesn't sound like a like a college student wrote it. Yeah. It, it sounds like a like a child wrote Unless it. Unless he was in a rapey frat, right? Yeah. yeah. And I have a theory about that that I'll open our spoiler discussion with it, but I do agree." It wasn't needed, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just it was just out of nowhere and it dragged it down so much and yeah. served yeah. no greater purpose except for the theory that I'm going to po- posit in the spoiler section, which do you want to go into spoilers? Yes, let's go. All right. Yeah. So we're gonna go into spoilers for the body starting now.
All right, so spoilers on for the body and by extension, stand by me. Mm-hmm. So fair warning, guys. Um, my theory about Stud City, <laughs> and again, this could just be me making excuses for Steve, um, but my thought, and, and when I say this, I'm going to say it with the caveat or the or the whatever that even with this theory, it's still completely in the wrong place in the story, mm-hmm. completely too long in the story, and does it's it's a lot of mental work for me to reach this conclusion. <laughs> so my thought is that this hypersexualized, hyper aggressively misogynistic like point of view uh, story is supposed to be in contrast to the innocence of the children uh, of the of the story of the body of them going on their adventure okay and it's supposed to be a juxtaposition between like the subtitle the fall of innocence like it's their pre-fall of innocence to their post like like this is gordy after he has completely lost his his innocence and everything and he's he's uh, He's, you know, a more insecure adult. <laughs> but that's also the thing is that it reads like an insecure adult who doesn't know his identity. And again, that also kind of feeds into my theory that maybe it's because he lost track or lost lost touch with his friends as a kid. And that this is this is King demonstrating to us that Gordy, after after his his little cotet disbanded as kids. Um, him growing up without that friend group in middle school and high school created a void in personality or a void in identity for Gordy as he got into college and started writing in college. Because my, my whole theory that I'm bending over backwards to, to make is that because he didn't have those friends anymore or he wasn't as close with those friends who built up his imagination and built up his writing prowess, his storytelling uh, prowess. He was writing for them. He was telling stories for them because they were absent. He then lost his sense of identity as a writer. And so in college, he is working to try to find his voice. And what comes out is this completely, this complete antithesis to childhood Gordy's persona and writing because he doesn't have that link to his innocence. That's my very roundabout way to rationalize Stud City. <laughs> and also, if that's the case, I, it should have been way later in the story. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. why is it right up front? Right. It's annoying. What do you think about that? Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy at all. I okay. I didn't make that much connection to it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I tried to rationalize it at all i didn't i just wanted to kind of get away from it yeah Um, i just want to be friends with stephen king so any blemish that he has (laughs) i'm going to try to cover with as much makeup of of just crazy theories as i can yeah yeah it's it's such a toxic story because the none of the characters are likable yeah uh none of the occurrences are positive yeah it's all very aggressive and the 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 main character hates his dad and is annoyed mm-hmm. by his brother and hates his stepmother and doesn't love his girlfriend or the woman he's yeah. the girl he's hooking up with it's it's all so aggressive and vacuous um but again i i was kind of 
interested in the story. Like as a story, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, what the fuck's gonna happen next? Um, yeah, but not to say it was a great story or anything, but um, right. But yeah, I I think I don't know if maybe King was trying to downplay the the bad parts of the story, but after it's over, Gordy is talking about how you know it's not it's not very well written and it's not right. very well done. It's not a great story. He thinks that maybe there's a good story in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's thought about rewriting it to make it better. So I don't know if he's maybe trying, if, if that was an attempt by King to sort of excuse it or write it off. Hmm. Yeah. By, by Gordy admitting that it's not good. But it, if that was the case, why even put it in the fucking book? Yeah. You know, I. And I think that for me, it's it's definitely that like college age story, like aspect of it that that throws me off so much mm-hmm. because I I was trying to figure out how it connected with the greater story and I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, the best I could do, and I don't remember much of it <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but I remember there being like references to the main character's brother dying. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, was it because he was on the side of the road or something and he was changing a tire and died or something? Right. And like, that's why I kept thinking like, oh, this is this is 12-year-old Gordy working through the death of his brother because his mm-hmm. parents are, you know, mourning and are ignoring him. Right. And then it's just like, oh, you know, I wrote this in college. I'm like, what? Like, what are, what? Why? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, I don't know that like... It could have been more relevant if it was a present day thing, but then also since it wasn't, it's it has this other kind of context to it of his loss of innocence. So I don't know. I was just curious what you thought of it, and um, yeah, I think we kind of landed on the same page with it. Yeah, it's it's, it's messy for sure. Yeah, I, I, I I'm not really sure what King was going for with it, and I I honestly think, and he's done this before. But I honestly wonder, and maybe there's like trivia about this that I didn't look into or anything, but I wonder if he had just a, you know, a draft of a story and he's like, you know what, <laughs> you know, uh, the body needs needs a, a couple thousand more or a few, like 10,000 more words or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, not 10,000 more words, <laughs> like a couple thousand more words or mm-hmm. whatever. However many words. Uh, let's just throw that in there and say it's a Gordy story because he's done, like, there's a story in I think Skeleton Crew called The Wedding Gig, which is this gangster, it's a weird gangster story. And it, like, I believe that that was like originally like he was writing a story and then kind of abandoned it and then repurposed it as a short story or something. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, so I don't know. It's just, it's a weird excursion in the story that totally. I wasn't into. Yeah, um, it's, it's out of place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Um, since we're in spoilers, what was I going to say? Oh, so the, and we're, we're also starting to weave in the movie, right? Um, we can, yeah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> so this involves the movie and the, and okay. the book, but in the movie, there's a part where they're at, the uh they're kind of taking a break at the um uh the uh junkyard mm-hmm. and it's it's like the only reference to sexuality or sex in the in the movie where they t- mm-hmm. they they mention the name of some girl in their class and how she's she's starting to get tits oh yeah that's um right. that was not in the book was it not that i remember okay huh cuz there's no to my knowledge, there's nothing in the book that is even remotely sexual. 
Yeah. As in the boys, the boys starting to have sexual desire right. or feelings or whatever. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, there's bite my bag and yeah. <laughs> um, your mom sucks my fat one. Or yeah, something like that like, uh, suck my fat one. Right. Yeah. Like, Which Who is told you you had a fat one. Right. The biggest one. Oh like, man, I was gonna make a joke. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that's that's one of the only things to me that's off or inaccurate or a little bit surprising mm-hmm. given the um given how relevant it is mm-hmm. sexuality is in it oh yeah because um, the, the the character is the same age between those two stories right They're the same age 12 years old um and pretty much the same era it's both the 50s yeah 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 wow yep um huh. but I think back, you know, obviously this story had me thinking back to when I was 12 oh, tons, yeah. which is one of the beautiful aspects of the story and mm-hmm. great things about the story. But I remember 12 years old, that's, sex was an important part of it because that's <laughs> when I started noticing girls mm-hmm. a lot more and started getting boners all the time sure. when you're 12. And that's, I feel like sex is such a, and becoming a, sec, starting to become a sexual being Mm-hmm. Is such an integral part of a twelve-year-old's life, yeah. And it's like basically absent. It's it's absent from the story, yeah. from this huh. from the novel from the novella. And I understand that in the context of what these boys are doing, they're going they're going to see a dead body, mm-hmm. and that's what's occupying so much of their time. But like right. you know, um, there's there's also the great scene in the, in the movie where they're like around the campfire and they're talking about like who'd win in a fight between Mighty Mouse and right. Superman and shit like that. And I was yeah. like, there's no way that they wouldn't have spent so much of that conversation talking about boobs and right. girls. And I'm not I'm not saying it's a discredit to the story. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of surprised it wasn't there, given how relevant it is in it you know uh, and, and stephen and, king never shies away from sex oh totally oh, ever yeah. so I, I i it just it kind of i don't want to say it jumped out to me but i noticed it right yeah and it didn't really register with me that much but now that you're saying that that's okay. a really interesting perspective because yeah i mean it is kind of missing and um like in my head i'm like when I was 12, <laughs> um, uh, let's see, I was one of the three Stooges. <laughs> In sixth grade, I was obsessed with Scream. <laughs> right, um, <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> gotcha. I was starting to become obsessed with girls when I was 12. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, when I was in sixth, fifth or sixth grade, I did have a copy of the Scream um shooting script that they published uh-huh. um and i passed around to all of my friends the page where sydney prescott <laughs> has sex um and there's like the direction and it says something about her bra yeah um so yeah that's so, what i so mean yeah. like yeah. that's that kind of stuff that like mm. i don't want to say innocent sexual right. drives of a 12 year old but the curiosity uh, relatively tame yeah as opposed to like you know once boys become teenagers and they become more aggressive and it's like kind of ridiculous, toxic, right, stupid, borderline scary sexuality yeah. of a teenage boy who's inexperienced and dumb and right. impulsive and hormones flying through his body. Yeah. Um, it's it's tame and kind of funny, like mm-hmm. what about her boobs feel like? You right. know, it's that kind of stuff was absent from the story. But in the movie, there's that one line where they're like, yeah, her tits yeah. are starting to come in. And I was like, that's one the one thing that I thought was kind of absent or missing. That's, yeah, that's interesting, especially yeah. with the time frame and everything. Like you said, right. 
when you know when boys grow up and they it like if they grow if um, if they don't grow out of that adolescent curiosity and and like weird thing and everything they mm-hmm. you know they could become more volatile more dangerous uh borderline right. dangerous and everything and uh, like not well adjusted and then later on they storm the capital um <laughs> so, <laughs> so nice. it's a slippery slope but um, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> That makes me think of the picture that our friend Chad sent to us earlier mm-hmm. today where it was uh, like a screen – it was like a um, screenshot of a bunch of protesters. Oh, yeah. And like what they, someone had like re- redesigned the flags yeah. and signs they were holding and one of them just said, where's, where's the clitoris? The clitoris? <laughs> That's fantastic. That, uh, that, that was great. Yeah. That was really great. Totally. Um, so anyway <laughs> – Oh, um okay so we can talk more about the act oh let's talk about the leeches mm-hmm. and then the ending of the story and then we can go into the movie real quick mm-hmm. um but the leeches scene is like i mean it's not a horror story but like that right. is like oh man yeah just oof. and i don't know if you know this <laughs> based on stephen king's real like experience. Yes, didn't he mention it? Doesn't that story get mentioned in um, on writing? On writing, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah. Uh, ugh, just like the. I mean. Yeah. I mean the testicle part. Oh, I mean. Ugh. Right. Oh. Yep. Yep. And I love how I think yeah it's in the book where he yeah it's in the book. Um, Gord, adult Gordy, as he's mm-hmm. narrating it, says, you know, when I as I got older, I realized that. While leeches on the, you know, they, oh, yeah. they, they seem very disturbing and scary. Mm-hmm. They're actually pretty harmless. And right. They, you know, after after a minute or two, they just kind of drop off because mm-hmm. they're too engorged or whatever. Or they end up popping and they're really not, you know, they're, it's not really a... Life or death thing. Right. It, it's it's yeah. it, they, they, they seem a lot scarier than they actually are, right. I guess, is what he's trying to say. Yeah. But as a kid, you don't know that. Right. As a 12-year-old, it's yeah. fucking terrifying. Have you ever had leeches on you? No. No. I have not. I'm not a fan of jumping into natural bodies of water. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, the yeah. ocean is kind of it, like mm-hmm. uh, like lakes, ponds, rivers. Nope, I'm good. Yeah, I'll enjoy them from a distance. Yeah, totally. Because of leeches and eels and snakes. Yeah, and <laughs> wildlife that live in them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um. So they get to the body. They find the body. They have their big confrontation with Ace Merrill and his mm-hmm. gang. Yep, yep. How'd you feel about how that played out in the story? And also, God damn it, Chris Chambers about the milk money and everything. Yeah. His whole arc there about how the teacher, you know, took the money that he was trying to give back and how that made his, like, God damn it, River Phoenix in the movie. Fuck. Yes. Oh my God. But. In the story, just like that, that, like I kind of alluded to or mentioned earlier, just that level of like not being able to escape who you are because of the town you're in and the reputation your family has mm-hmm. is heartbreaking. And the cyclical yeah. nature of that, that inescapable kind of fate that you're born into is just so, so heavy. And I think it's because it's from the perspective of these kids mm-hmm. that are saying it. Because I, I think I started to make this point and then didn't. But, like, Speedway is not the same as Castle Rock. Right. Speedway is not a small town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what jumped out to me in this story this time around is that that small town of Castle Rock is their life. And that 
is like they are trapped there unless they work extremely hard to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And like that idea of their own, like like what they will become one day is kind of set in very rapidly drawing concrete as they age is like in and of itself just heartbreaking, dramatic, and a little bit terrifying because mm-hmm. of the wasted potential and everything because of this town that they're kind of locked into. So right. I don't know. Yeah, and I think the... um I was talking earlier about like uh, Castle Rock doesn't have a great identity. Right. Um, I think that story, the whole milk money story, mm-hmm. um, gives that town a lot of identity because I think yeah. it, 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 it demonstrates some attitudes of the residents there, mm-hmm. most notably that teacher. Yeah. You know, she's she just has this idea, well, this kid is, to borrow a phrase from the story in the movie, this kid's a cheap dime store hood. Right. He has no future. Fuck him. I'm just mm-hmm. going to throw the blame on him and get what's mine. Get, get, get what's mine. Mm-hmm. Just do something I want to do. So yeah. to hell with how it ruins this kid's reputation. Right. He doesn't have a future anyways. Or damages his psyche, his sense of self worth. Right. Just like, and right. being an educator and doing that to him is like, it's like outlined. I think it's, I think it's in the book too, but like in the movie, I mean, River Phoenix is like just, heartbreaking scene there is it just haunts him. so yeah so incredible right um that's a whole other level of depravity on on yeah. that teacher's part yeah mm. how it how it ruins him um his psyche like you said but yeah yeah it's it's it was it's such a small such a small part of the book and the mm. movie but it's so the the um the the gravity it has very on the story pivotal is yeah. pivotal it's pivotal it's mm-hmm. it's uh, monumental yeah it's a huge part of it but it's such a small part of the story it's it's really interesting yeah um I yeah. I I think it has more gravity in the in the movie I I agree because yeah. River Phoenix is so fucking good yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah plus Chris is the only one who dies um. In the movie, yeah. In the movie. Because in the book, right. and this can be the final thing about the book, and then we can kind of mm-hmm. wind down with talking more abstractly about the movie. But mm-hmm. um, in the book, like, Gordy's talking about how they've all died. They've all died in different ways. Right. I think Teddy uh, died in a car accident. Vern died mm. in an apartment fire. And then yes. Chris died in a stabbing. Right. Um and just like that, I think, brings home this idea of this, you know, town kind of machinery, I guess, that, they, right. that they're they kind of built into. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of sad and depressing. Yeah. Again, the culture. Yeah. Kind of, kind yep. of the culture of the town. Yeah. Yep. Right. I agree. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, I don't know. Oh, okay. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> Uh, do you want to close out the story and go into just, we can kind of breeze through the yeah. <laughs> talk about the movie. Yeah, sure. Okay, well, I'm going to play a clip from the trailer for Stand By Me. So here we go, and then we'll go into our discussion about Rob Reiner's Stand By Me. In all our lives, there's a fall from innocence, a time after which we are never the same. It happened in the summer of 1959. A long time ago. Oh, man. Where do you hear this? Where do you hear this? What is it, man? You guys want to go see a dead body? When the night has come 
and the land is dark. We interrupt to bring you an update on the search for the missing 12-year-old Ray Brower. Kid's gone. They're never going to find him. Not where they're looking. And the moon is the only light we'll see. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. Okay, and uh, yeah, Stand By Me was released in 1986, directed by Rob Reiner, who would go on to direct Misery as well. Mm-hmm. Um, two just powerhouse Stephen King adaptations yeah. um, that could not be more different from one another. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, uh-huh. So, Tiny, since this was your first time seeing the movie, we're going to go spoilers free and everything, and we can kind of make this kind of brief because I know that uh, we're almost out of time. Um, right, fine. But, okay, good. So, um <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so the movie, this was your first time watching it. Um, how'd you feel about it? And how'd you, how'd you feel kind of about Stand By Me? I really loved it. Loved, absolutely loved the movie. I figured I would. Um, I think the movie hinges so much on the performance of the kids. Yeah. Um, because you couldn't have, you know, you needed four, you needed four Haley Joel Osment and the Sixth Sense kind of performances to, right. pull, to pull this movie off. Yes, because we've I've said it more in Obsessive Viewer than mm-hmm. than this uh, than this podcast, but child actors for largely suck. Yeah, and it's not their fault. Right, they're supposed to suck their kids. Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> I think when a kid, and by kid I mean under the age of sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, when a kid puts in a great performance. To, in my opinion, it is so much more impressive than any adult yeah. giving an incredible performance because you don't know anything when you're a kid. You right. know, it's, it's it's part of the theme of this story that mm. you're innocent. You don't know things. You're right. You just and you're not supposed to know things. You're innocent until proven guilty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You're you're not supposed to be able to put in a good performance, and it's yeah, it just amazes me mm-hmm. when kids pull it off. And yeah. all four of the main kids in this movie did a fantastic job. Oh, absolutely! And I think th- I think oh, that's yeah. the most noteworthy thing in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. That that's that's what I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember the heart to heart conversations that mm-hmm. Will Wheaton and River Phoenix yeah. have in this story. Um, Gordy and Chris, the the, the conversation they have, the heart to hearts, mm-hmm. are just amazing. Oh and, yeah, and they're they're well written. They're well acted. Yeah, I, I love the um the very just subtle camera work of just letting those two kids do their thing mm-hmm. give amazing performances um i do think the standout is um river phoenix oh yeah but um i was i have like no frame of reference for will wheaton oh interesting, uh, oh, uh, interesting. other than the big bang theory oh yeah i think that's the only thing i've seen him in wow i, I really can't other well he did like a web series with um yeah uh what's her uh, name felicia day <laughs> felicia day yeah uh, i saw him in that the guild the Was guild, the yeah, guild. Okay. yeah, I saw him in that. But <laughs> I, I, and you know, he's and he does, he does, he's fine in, yeah. uh, in, um, uh, Will Wheaton is fine in, uh, um, Big Bang Theory, right? He's playing a version of himself. Mm-hmm. He's fine. I didn't, I wasn't impressed or underwhelmed by him or anything. Like he was, he was fine, right? But I was really pleasantly surprised by how good he was mm-hmm. in this. He, he did a fantastic job. There's, there's a joke in, <laughs> in, um, uh, the Big Bang Theory, where mm. Sheldon gets drunk and he 
he has an interaction with Will Wheaton and he just kind of blurts out, he's like, you were so good and stand by me. <laughs> and I had no wow. frame of reference for that joke because I had never seen the movie. Oh, yeah. But it's not a joke. He's fucking great in this. Oh, I, yeah. I loved him in this. Um, And, and I'm so glad to say that. Mm-hmm. Um. Because he he was great. He totally hung in there with mm-hmm. River Phoenix and was totally had a great back and forth with him with him in so many scenes. Absolutely. Um, and and I I really love Corey Feldman. Mm-hmm. I I think he's he's kind of a I don't want to say a meme, but he's kind of a a punchline or yeah. He he has this persona in Hollywood mm-hmm. because he's an odd he's in a very odd man mm-hmm. and he 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 was so 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 famous he's kind of an example of how being a famous kid can can kind of ruin you as an adult and, yeah and and you know make you kind of a weird person i guess um yeah but he was a damn good actor as a kid oh yeah i mean oh yeah he he's he's got so much charisma mm-hmm. and he can just he's he's funny really funny kid mm-hmm. um and I'm, t- I'm talking about like goonies and oh um, yeah um uh, what's the vampire one? Oh, um uh Fright Night? No. No uh, Lost uh, Boys. Lost Boys. Yes. Also with Keith for Sutherland. Yeah. He's he's just a great actor. He's such a funny kid. He's got so much charm and charisma. Mm-hmm. Um and, and not to forget uh Chris O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, yeah. thank you. I don't know where Chris that's Batman and Chris, Robin. I think you're, you're you're thinking of Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What the fuck? Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> Jerry also O'Connell. great as like the kid who never shuts the fuck oh, up. Oh yeah. And is just oh yeah. Kind of annoying, but you keep mm. him around because you can make fun of him, kind of guy. Yeah. I the, the kids were just so damn good in this movie. Absolutely. And to yeah. talk about Corey Feldman, first of all, yes, and also it's worth noting that Teddy Duchamp, he is. I mean. The characters are so well drawn mm-hmm. and they're so specific and they're so unique uh, outside of each other. Mm-hmm. But Teddy is arguably the most tragic and has the darkest backstory. Right. And like the way Corey Feldman handles that is remarkable. Yeah. Um yeah. And also like I I mean yes, it it is he so he has this, I, I don't know, I don't want to get into all of this, but he like has said that he was abused as a kid uh-huh, yeah. in, in Hollywood, which is horrible, horrifying, terrible. And, you know, uh, like that clip of Barbara Walters that went viral where he's like on like The View or whatever she's on. And he said he's talking about like, like telling all about the abuse and everything. Mm-hmm. And then. I think Barbara Walters says something like, aren't you worried that you're ruining people's careers with this? And it's like, okay, you are a, you are a monster. Yeah. Um, so like I, I, I recognize and, and understand that he's, you know, um, a troubled person because of his history, Mm -hmm. but like also he had that whole thing where he was promoting this documentary that was going to out so many different people in Hollywood. And then he did that very weird, like, live stream performance thing yeah that was clearly like a grift to get money for from people that wanted to see it and it was just really awkward yeah um so yeah so i and it's it's a shame because i mean it's just a product of predatory hollywood you know with child actors right um yeah yeah so anyway that's a tangent but the performances are amazing Mm -hmm. river phoenix as chris chambers Mm -hmm. 
the last couple of times I've watched this movie, I, it is it is incredibly painful to think of like the tragedy of his death mm-hmm. because God damn it, he what he, a loss to yes. the acting community. I oh mean. yeah, I mean he was he was just so good, mm-hmm. and I mean he. I can't like there was a meme going around on on Twitter that was like uh, if you could have uh, yeah, I any, saw this. yeah any artist who died prematurely if you could have fifty more years of of them if you bring them back for fifty more years of of art that they could create who would it be and like my go to was Anton Yelchin mm-hmm. like just Anton Yelchin great choice yes yeah. um but also River Phoenix because mm-hmm. holy shit yeah um totally yeah. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think, yeah. um, one thing I wanted to touch on, mm-hmm. um, the movie does some things better than the book. Okay. Um, at least in my opinion, I should mm-hmm. say, um, one of them was Gordy. He's, first of all, all, I think all four of the kids, I'm struggling to think of how it is for Vern, but all four of the kids are damaged or, um, mm-hmm suffering in some way yeah. you know gordy his 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 brother died and his parents are kind of mm-hmm. checked out as far as raising him right uh chris has an alcoholic father who mm-hmm. kind of abuses him um teddy has the father who t- damn near killed him right and is was is, is in, in an asylum right now mm-hmm. Vern, what is there something he, about him that i think that he is more He's it's demonstrated like he's he's on the slow side. He's okay. he's learning disabled. He's a little bit slow. Okay. Um that's kind of evident by the whole, you know, um buried <laughs> uh penny yeah. pennies and not being able to find okay. it. And his relationship with his brother isn't that great. Yeah. Um yeah, so I think that that's kind of his his kind of thing. Okay. Um that didn't jump out to me, I guess. Yeah. Okay. But now that you say that, that mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, so yeah. all all four of the kids are damaged in mm-hmm. in some way, or they're you know suffering. Um, I like how it was kind of expanded more in the movie that um, uh, Gordy has this kind of complex where he's it's kind of like um, what's it called? Survivor's guilt, I guess, because yeah. his brothers gone and mm-hmm. he has these feelings that his dad thinks it should have been him who died and not right. his brother um and <laughs> that just makes me think of walk hard walk hard wrong, kid, wrong dad. kid dad yeah totally every, every time i have yeah <laughs> anytime yeah I, I totally had the same thought um but uh it that's not as present in the book that his dad he thinks his yeah. dad has that opinion that he should have died not his brother right because in huh because in the book, it's and it's also in the movie as well, uh, to a lesser extent. But in the book, it's more that he, his his creativity, his his impulse to write, mm-hmm. is something that his father is very much against right. and and bullying about. Yeah. yeah. Um, which leads to that really great scene in the movie where John Cusack mm-hmm. in the flashback is like, "Hey, I really like that story, right, Gordy." Um, and that's not present in the book. Like that's not in yeah. the book. Which yeah, because there's like no, there's no flashbacks to to right, Denny. Right. Um, Denny's like not really a character in the right. book at all. Um, yeah. So I I thought that was really well done in the movie, mm. and I liked 
I liked those flashback scenes. I liked the John Cusack playing the Denny character. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, it informed, it made um, Gordy more um, uh, deep, more, yeah. more more depth to his character. And, and I think he was more troubled in in the movie than he was in the book. And I appreciated that more. Yeah, I can definitely get on board with that and agree with that. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Kiefer Sutherland? Yeah, he, uh, man, just visually, I think of, I, I just love his look in this movie. Oh, yeah. Totally. Like the cheap dime store hood type mm-hmm. thing that you, you brought up earlier. Right. That he just fits that so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think young Kiefer Sutherland was such a, his look was just so perfect for so many roles. Like, I yeah. think he, I think him, I, I, I think that, that peaked in, um, the Lost Boys, mm-hmm. where he had that. It's been that, so long since I've seen the okay, Lost Boys. Which I, I like that movie. It's it's a mm-hmm. fun movie, but I again I just think the um the the pop culture of that movie is bigger than the movie itself, I guess. Yeah. It's it's an okay movie, but it's just, sure. you know, it had both the Corys in it and mm-hmm. Kiefer Sutherland playing that. He had I I love that Pompadour mullet haircut he has in that movie. Yeah. And he's just so like such an over the top vampire character. Mm-hmm. I love him in that movie, and I think, I think that's something that he's really gotten away from in his older years. Yeah, you know, playing Jack Bauer and shit right. like that. Like he's very um, much more subdued mm-hmm. and uh, not as not as visually um, present, I guess, or yeah. not not as uh, not not as not as much of a visual presence right. as he was when he was younger. Um, and and that, th- this is totally one of those roles, him playing Ace Merrill. Yeah. That's something that I found really uh, kind of surprising because it well not surprising. Okay, so I I've seen this movie a handful of times through my life, and I like I, like I've seen Kiefer Sutherland as Jack Bauer more times than I've seen him as Ace Merrill. Yeah, and it's just it's interesting because when I revisit um, Stand by Me, I. I just have it in my head that he's more aggressive, that he's more like energetic and everything. Because yeah. Jack Bauer is the is the damn it, damn it, Chloe, right? <laughs> Give me the help me get off of this DUI charge. <laughs> um, and uh, um, where's the bomb? Um, I mean Jaeger bomb. Um, anyway, so <laughs> he also tackled a Christmas tree, right? Um, but anyway. Um, <laughs> But then you get, when you see him in Stand By Me, it is a more, like, it is a more quiet intensity. And, yeah, like, that right. I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Like, when he's, when he says, like, when he takes the switchblade out and he's like, you're dead. Yeah. It's like, it's not like a, it's not like a, you're dead, Chloe. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just like, you're dead. And, like, it's like, it's just so plainly spoken mm-hmm. and just so, yeah. like, like, you believe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is... He exemplified very well the uh, a young man who is full of nothing but bad thoughts, yeah, and negative thoughts, and, mm. and just completely on the wrong, <laughs> the wrong path in life, yeah. And it's so evident as him as like you know a sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year old kid, right? Um, he he played that part really well. I love, yeah. Him. And just, again, just I just can't the the visual of him in mm-hmm. that that bleach blonde hair with the mm-hmm. engineer boots and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth mm-hmm. is just iconic to me. Oh yeah. And I, I, I love that. I love Kiefer Sutherland in that look. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Something I loved about the movie in regards to Ace Merrill is that scene where he plays chicken with the truck. Mm-hmm. And like he does, like he's he's complete, like he he does not move at all, like he does not move, right? And and they swerve, and it, uh, like the back comes undone, and everything for the for the truck and everything, mm-hmm. and then he's just like, I won, um, yeah. And I just love that. I kind of wish that that was earlier in the movie because yeah. it sets up so well that showdown between Gordy and him over the body. Uh, where he, where Gordy has the gun on him and he's trying to say like, hey, just give me, the, just give me the gun, Chloe. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but in, in he backs down on that. It's just that juxtaposition is really, really, yeah. really fun. Right. I kind of yeah. wish the scene in the book where Ace and I think it's Vern's older brother. Jump, yeah. They jump. Eyeball. Um, eyeball. Yeah. Mm. Or is it Chris's older brother? It might be eyeball chambers eyeball chambers yeah. yeah so i think it's chris's older brother mm-hmm. um they jump gordy in the street and beat yes. him. i i kind of wish that was in the movie mm-hmm. I, I i do love the ending of the movie where yeah. they all they separate paths and mm-hmm. that's just really beautiful i love the ending of the movie but yeah i do kind of wish that scene was in the was in the movie and how mm-hmm. um gordy kind of kept his mouth shut and everything about why he was yeah. being jumped i thought that was pretty cool but mm-hmm. um i think it would have been difficult to weave into the movie i guess yeah given the structure of it um just just to see um Kiefer sutherland go full intensity and oh actually totally beat shit out of somebody would have been cool yeah that yeah. that whole thing with gordy not saying who it was that i mean that that is i mean that's kind of playing on that kind of toxic masculinity that mm-hmm. kind of uh, kind of that culture of like that, but also kind of thing. Also, a loss of innocence, though, because because yeah, yeah. I think when you're a kid, you know, you're a, you're a little shit tattletale. Like, right, he, he did this. Mm-hmm. Eh, he poked me. Yeah, he doesn't do that because he's he has come of age and he's not, right. He's not a rat or whatever. Yeah, but I do agree there is a, a kind of a toxic masculinity mm-hmm. aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I like I was when I was listening to that, I was just like. Yeah, that's a tough position. Okay, because if he says like, "Oh yeah, it was Ace Merrill and his gang," like he, you know, he'll just get it worse. Right. Um. Right. Yeah. It's America, yeah. man. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. So final the that final scene, with it being your first time seeing this movie, Tiny, when Richard Dreyfus is typing away, and it ends with his kids coming in and saying like, "Oh hey, you said it was a half hour ago." Mm-hmm. Um, and then he types that last line, <laughs> just how did you feel that last line being, I, uh, let me find it real quick. This will not take long. I swear. Yeah. I swear to God. Something on, along the lines of, does anybody have friends as great as they did when they were 12? Yes. Something along those lines. Yes. Okay. I never had any friends later on like the ones I had when I was 12. Jesus, does, does anyone? Anybody? Yeah. Like how did how did you feel about that? I thought it was great. I mm-hmm. and I again, it's kind of so true. Mm-hmm. Cuz those those emotions and those um the coming of age mm-hmm. is something you obviously it's something you never do again and it's yeah. it's something you share with your friends. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I guess I guess the friends you have when you go through that. Mhm you never have friends like that again. Right. And that's, that's, I feel like that's 
kind of universal. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's people out there who didn't maybe didn't maybe have that experience, but right. I feel like it again. It's <laughs> your little Three Stooges story. <laughs> yeah, like, that's totally like a totally unique thing, and that's oh, your yeah. that's your coming of age story. Oh yeah, and that's oh there's many others <laughs> <laughs> that will never be recorded. <laughs> right, but you don't those two friends that you mm. did that with. You've never had other friends like that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's such a beautiful universal mm-hmm. set of sentences there that i thought mm-hmm. was awesome it's that that th- those exact words are not in the book right i uh, i think that they are that that final line from the thing is it yeah it is but it's like midway through the story is it okay yeah it's like kind of not a throwaway thing but it's just like a gordy like think like saying that kind of at the end of a, okay. of a like at the midway point okay gotcha um and to that point about like yeah never having that kind of three stooges thing and everything mm-hmm. you and i have known each other since junior high i have pitched so hard for a laurel and hardy thing <laughs> and you have been not receptive to it for like <laughs> 10 20 years yeah so yeah anyway, to it. yeah <laughs> god damn it <laughs> that's so dumb (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah so that i think that that final line that final ending moment is just so so beautifully encapsulates everything and to your point about like yes that that the idea of us not having that same level of friendship or that level of closeness Mm -hmm. as we do when we are as as we are growing up at probably our most vulnerable mm-hmm. because this is when we're learning things this is when our bodies are changing and <laughs> right. it's like it's when you come of age with someone that is also coming of age and you are learning all of these things this is a level of vulnerability that i mean following that through teen the teen years you are at least in my experience <laughs> um a just crippling, crippled ball of insecurities, second guessing, social dynamics, drama, melodrama, live journals. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like, it is a lot. And that innocence of just going through what is and what is ultimately a a life-defining, in certain respects, experience with people that are going through that the same way, it's like that that strength the strength of that that can grow in that is just un undeniable mm-hmm. um yeah i so. agree it's an idyllic line yeah yep yeah, totally yep all right well i think we've sufficiently talked it out yeah we have um later this year i think we're going to do a top 19 adaptations episode i'm very curious where this is going to land on yours mm-hmm. but i do have a couple of quick Stephen King references and notes, one of which I'm very excited to share with you because, well, no, I really only have one because we talked about on, at least on Patreon, the family guy thing, but there is an interesting, and like, there's no reason why you would remember this. Okay. But, uh, Kiefer Sutherland was on 24 Mm -hmm. and, uh, just like, I just think that this is such an interesting and fun like reference to stand by me in 24 (laughs) but there was a there was a a ctu analyst played by eric balfour um in season one and then he came back in like season seven because they needed more characters to kill off or something (laughs) but do you remember his character's name no yeah there's no reason why you should okay but his the character's name was milo pressman Oh. Who owned the junkyard in Stanley. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
No shit. Yep. And I, I that's like funny. I always think like yeah, that is just so that's so that's neat. Yeah. <laughs> that's really right, neat. Right. Yeah. So anyway. kind of unexpected too. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Um. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think that's our episode yeah. on the body. Stand by me. Ironically, Happy... my voice is starting to crack. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> kind of losing my voice. Yeah. Yeah, guys, I want to be a three stooge. Yeah, I'm getting uh, boners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. But okay. So yeah. So that's our episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I think next time we're going to try to tackle creep show mm-hmm. in various forms and everything. So look forward to that. Once again, check out Patreon. Patreon.com/slash obsessive viewer and uh yeah do we have any parting thoughts or should i play us out put a bow on it all right well um i already went through all the spiel uh once again check out check out red screen (laughs) if it's still available and check out my free patreon review at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and click the Click the tag Stephen King, and if you pledge on Patreon, you get access to all of that at whatever levels. So thank you guys so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. I don't know. I, I, I've been meaning to like sit down mm-hmm. and like look through his entire bibliography. Right. And just like pick a couple things and like buy the buy the books and just have nice. them on deck and like just go through those. Nice. But but so I also wait, I also want to like have planned things planned for the podcast too. Sure. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So you've you've been meaning to sit down and look at his entire bibliography. Yeah. That is that is implying that you don't do that like once per day <laughs> that's that would be correct okay okay yeah <laughs> i guess that i guess that's not too out of the ordinary <laughs> unless i need to like tower junkies is edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com for a full archive of our episodes go to towerjunkiespod.com slash archive you can also like our facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on twitter at towerjunkiespod If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and OV Anthology Pod on Twitter. Finally, check out The Secular Perspective, 
tiny side project podcast which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!